0: Buddy, before we get started today, I I don't know. I felt like a little bit of residual praise left over from the worship service. I just felt like maybe we ought to spend a little bit more time lifting up the name of Jesus before we get into his word. Is that okay? Can we just kind of just take a moment? Let's stand to our feet. I don't know why. I just I, I know we don't do this very often, but can you just give God some thanks in this house? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for who you are in our lives, God. Thank you for being God all by yourself, amen, we praise you, Jesus, let it always be about you, Lord, not about us, God, we thank you, Lord, in your name, Jesus, amen, God's good, go ahead, you can have your seat, I'm so, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like, sometimes church can be so about us, you know what I'm saying, and it's, man, it's all about Him, And, um, man, I'm I'm telling you, I'm excited today. Missed you all last Sunday. I heard you had a pretty decent preacher here last week. I want to give honor to my wife for sharing last Sunday. And she didn't share too much embarrassing stuff, I don't think. Did you? No, no, I heard the, the, the sermon. It was good. It was good. She didn't throw me under the bus. It was good. It was good, but... But this is our, kind of our final week in the freeway series. Next Sunday is our celebration of the freeway, um, this, this Stories of Freedom Sunday next week. We'll talk about that before we finish today. But today is the last step in the six steps that we've been looking at when it comes to finding freedom in our lives. So, over the past few weeks, we've been taking this journey, and um, I pray many of you, I know that our attendance in our journey groups about doubled during this series, and that's awesome. And, um, and I told you before, our attendance on Sunday morning, it dropped. I'm being honest. The last few weeks, about 40 people on average attendance. And, and, and I really think it's because we love to talk about baby Jesus. We can't wait for Christmas to get here. But when we're looking at freedom, we're talking about the Lion of Judah, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? The one that's going to deal with our stuff and help us. And that's awesome. But sometimes in our minds, when it comes to looking at freedom, we feel so less and lacking if we got an issue. That's the kind of people that Jesus gravitates toward. It's, not the, it's, not the, it's the opposite. Remember, we're part of an upside-down kingdom, right? Right? And so often I see when you do a series like this, people will begin to flutter away for that season, and then they'll come back, and that's a beautiful thing, but I'm glad that you've stuck in here, and you've allowed God to deal with your stuff, amen? And um, how many, just be honest, you've been dealing with some stuff through this series, anybody, anybody raise your hand? Yeah, 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 I know I have been. And so we've looked at six steps, today's that sixth step, we started with awareness, and how important it is To not have a life that is so hurried. If our lives are so hurried, we will not be aware. And if we're not aware, we will not realize the things that we're really struggling with. And so that awareness, it leads us to a place of discovery we found. That discovery, that next step where we actually can discover things from the past as we put those little dots together and realize why I'm facing some of the stuff I'm facing with. Remember I told you my addiction with food and I've been dealing with that all my life and it's because I put my dots together and they all go back to Mama Wiseman. That woman loves to cook, you know, and even to this day I can talk to her on the phone and she, she saw a picture of me recently that looked pretty lean, you know, pretty mean, come on, so, no, and, and she's like, baby, are you eating enough? No, Mama, that's why I'm losing weight. You know, the devil's in a wig, I'm telling you. (laughs) But you look and you connect those points, and then that discovery leads you to your present. And as you look at your present, you got to have courage, you know. And God gives you that courage to face what you're facing and realize the stuff you're dealing with. And then God also allows you to discover that He loves you, no matter what. And that discovery of His love leads us into the future because it gives us that hope that God can heal us. If He loves us, He can heal us, and we know that. And and he does love us. And so then that takes us to ownership, you know. Okay, so I discover all this stuff, but if I don't actually own it and realize it, like for me, it was to own that my food issue wasn't just I like food, it was more of an addiction that I went to when I was depressed, and it was addiction I went to when I was happy. That's bad. You know what I'm saying? If you go to drunkenness when you're happy, and you go to drunkenness when you're sad, there's a lot of drunkenness. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that was how it was with me with food, you know. And, and so there's ownership that has to come. And then after that ownership, we find that we need forgiveness, you know. There's, there's something in us that needs to allow God to forgive us. And if we're holding something against somebody, to allow us to forgive others. And last week, as I said, my wife so beautifully brought out the subject of acceptance. And realizing that you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in God and what that looks like. And then finally today, it leads us to... A place of freedom so today we're going to talk about experiencing this idea of freedom in our lives and how do we really experience and live out freedom and there's a huge temptation that happens when you begin to think about freedom and you're striving for it And the temptation is this I'm tempted to fall for the trap of performance all right performance Man, I, I want to please God. I want to please my wife. I want to please y'all, you know? I, I want the accolades. I want this and I want that. And if I can just be a good boy and put down the burrito and the cheeto and the dorito and the ho ho, everything bad for you ends and O. Oh. If I can just. And that performance will mean that I'm accepted. And that performance will mean that that God is pleased. And and freedom can become a trap that you're just checking off a religious checklist. It can become a trap that you're just checking off this spiritual checklist. And I'm going to work really, really hard trying to perfect this religious list. and, And I think to myself that if I can just be really good at each one of these steps, I'll have freedom and I'll have freedom for life. What's so sad about that is that freedom, when it comes down to it, it's not a system. I know in the last six weeks we've looked at kind of a system that leads to freedom, but it really isn't a system, y'all, it's a process. It's a process. That's what freedom is. And sometimes it's messy and sometimes you're going to get stuck. And there's times where you're going to have some victory and then you're going to have some defeat. I told you already in the last month and a half, we've had more momentum folk in jail than I've seen in a long time. I'm glad we got a church where sometimes our church folk are in jail. Come on, somebody. I'm being honest. It's like, thank you, Jesus, that we're still a messy bunch of folk that need you. Amen? Now stop going to jail. But no, when it comes down to it, it's going to get messy. We're going to get stuck, you know. Sometimes you, you've got to choose to choose again, to start over in some of these points of the freeway, you know. Sometimes you'll have to go back and choose to seek ownership. And you know what? I need to own this for myself again. And other times you start to hold bitterness and you find it driving some of your struggles and addictions. And so you've got to choose to go back to forgiveness. And that's difficult. God, can't you just fix it? Yes, he can. It's called death. How many wants to die? Not yet. Scott, I know. <laughs> you cracked me up. Lord, now. Even so, Jesus, so quickly. No. Um, no, but I mean, it's it's death. I mean, that, the process, we're always going to be going through this process. And that's so neat. Because it's, it's about the Savior. It's not about the stuff. It's about him and and, and, and his pleasure in us, and there's times we're upset with ourselves, and we go to him in forgiveness, and, and he gives us strength for the next step in the freeway, and it's just not a system, it's a process. It's not something that's won and done, it's about this beautiful relationship that we have with God, and, and just this past week, I messed up in my process, I'll be honest, I've had about a three and a half month season of victory, where I just... Did not fail when it came to eating. Period. Just didn't. Come back from our hiking trip. We kicked butt on the hiking trip. I'm just being honest, man. Bunch of middle aged guys kicking that gorgeous rear end. It was awesome. You know, I didn't say gorgeous rear end. I said gorge is rear end. And and um. But Jason was looking at my behind a few times while I was walking. No, I'm teasing. But we worked hard, you know, and, and there was a time nine, ten months ago I couldn't have done that at almost 300 pounds. I couldn't have done that gorge. I didn't realize that gorge was the diff, most difficult hike, they say, most strenuous on the east coast. Did not know that, you know, and I was not told that until I was deep in the gorge. <laughs> Jason was a good trail leader. He really was. But, <clears throat> but when it came down to it, I come back. I'm feeling great about myself. And, and uh, Monday night we had staff meeting. And um, Stephanie brought some glorious things to staff. They were just white chocolate and peanuts and graham crackers. Not graham crackers, golden grams. Oh, so good. And she brought them, and, and, and I had a little nibble, but not, I felt pretty good about myself. Just a nibble, and that's it. Well, then they were back there on Tuesday morning. They were still in there, and I see these guys go in. They grabbed them, and they went out, you know, with their non-addicted bad selves. And, um, and they didn't know this, but I snuck in. You know if you start doing this, looking down the halls, you're probably fixing to sin. And so I snuck in, and I grabbed two biggins. I did. And I went back to my office, and and I ate them. And and, and instantly, all this, like, self-loathing and displeasure, you know how that goes, you know? It's like, don't look at me, I'm hideous. All that stuff started coming. And I'm not lying, within an hour... I'm at the Mexican restaurant, ordering a bowl of soup, which isn't bad in itself, but a whole thing of tortilla chips, which made me feel really, really awesome. <laughs> it did, for a little bit, and, and I had a Coke Zero, which I haven't had in months, and that triggered something. Guys, the dev- the, there is, there's demonic spirits in Coke Zero, because <laughs> I, I went off the rails like a crazy train, I'm telling you, I'm serious. I went nuts in that moment, and, and um, by the time I got home, Amy had a nice, healthy supper, I ate that supper, and then ended up getting away from the family for a little bit, and um, ended up having a bag of chips, another Coke, and some pizza. So <coughs> it feels good to be able to get that off my chest. <laughs> Not off my waistline, but off my chest. So I'm just saying, it's not a system; it's a process. And your pastor, man, after three and a half months of not putting junk in my mouth, I had a meltdown. I really did. And um, and literally, I had stopped journaling. Um, I have a food journal that I journal, and I have some accountability partners. I had stopped journaling through the hike, obviously, because we're hiking. And then when I get back, I didn't start journaling. And that day, man, that next morning I was with, or, yeah, the next morning I was with my my, my accountability guys, and and I was like, okay, guys, I got to start journaling again. I can't trust myself. I'm not there yet. I'm just not there yet. So every food, everything coming in my mouth has got to be put down on that that stinking, like I'm a child or something. But I'm being honest, I need that, all right? And so I don't know what you struggle with, but I wish it was a system, because I've followed a stinking good system since August, you know? And um, it's not. It's a process. And, um, and so the Lord's helped me with that. So freedom's not a process to be perfect. Listen, it's not. It's not a process to be perfect. That'd be checking that list. That'd be just getting it all done. You know, it, it's a gift to be given. That's what freedom is. Freedom is a gift to be given And so freedom in your life, in my life, it's maximized when we share it with others. That's why this year, like never before, I've been open about this journey of addiction with me. And I'm calling it an addiction. And, you know, I have people at times say, Ross, you don't even understand. You know, I get that. That's your issue. That's your problem. This is mine. And when I started looking at it as an addiction, I started getting victory over it. When I just looked at it as something I struggled with, I didn't get victory. But when I started seeing this as something that I'm allowing to be tolerated, as much As I would not tolerate porn in my life, but I'm tolerating biscuits in my life and junk like that, I had to start treating it the same way. Does that make sense? And so with that, though, I've been sharing more openly, and by sharing, it's helping other folks, and it's helping me. And so today, I'm sorry I'm sharing that with you, but I want to have victory this week, so I'm sharing it with you, all right? And so when it comes down to it, here's the thing about us going through our stuff. God wants to leverage our story And he wants to leverage who you are so that you can take who you are and leverage it in someone else's life to help them experience the freedom God wants them to experience in their lives. Being able to just open up and tell your story, you know. And it may not be that you tell a story like this. This may not be cathartic to you. This may be um, cardiac arrest to you if you shared it from a platform like this. I get that. But man, there's somebody God will bring by you that needs to hear your story. And when it comes down to it, you were rescued to be a rescuer. I really believe a big step in freedom in our lives is beginning to tell our story. Beginning to own that, who we are, what God's doing in us. Not that we've arrived, but it's a process. And being open with some folk, you know. And it may only be your journey group, your small group that you're open with. And that's okay. You know, but it may be somebody at work that God starts to give you an opportunity to share with. Or, and, and they can see you in light of your imperfections. Somehow they can see your perfect Jesus perfecting you. Amen. And I really believe that that's a big part in our freedom. God longs for you to be a rescuer. Don't wait till you're free to start bringing freedom to others. Amen. I heard someone say one time, you're not responsible for the cup that's full. You're responsible for what you have that you're emptying it into others, you know. And you may feel, Ross, I'm only a quarter cup full. That's how I empty that into somebody else and watch God fill you with more freedom. Amen. Be faithful in that area. Now the pushback is, you'll say something like this. You don't know my story, Ross. You don't know the things I face. You don't know the mess that I'm in the middle of my process right now. You don't understand the pain that I'm experiencing. You don't know my mistakes and my sin. You don't know the baggage I carry. You know, I understand. You're right. I don't know that, you know. You may feel like you don't know what, uh, that I don't feel worthy. I, I don't feel worthy to even experience freedom. And you're wanting me to express the freedom I'm starting to walk in with others. I'm barely experiencing it for myself. You get that, you know. listen let me ask you a question what if God wants to leverage your past to help others find freedom in their future what if could that possibly make all the pain you've experienced worth it could that possibly make the hell that you faced be something that can bring some heaven to somebody else's life yeah yeah it's possible And so this past year, like I said, I've been more open regarding the struggles I've had. And with it, here's what's happened. I've heard a lot of people who have, because of that openness, they've seen in their own eyes the struggle that they've had with things that are normally considered tolerable, okay? They're tolerable, and they're not taboo, but they're equally life-controlling. And a lot of times, we only put down at church those life-controlling things that are taboo. Don't. Cush, drink, smoke, or chew. Don't go with girls that do, you know. It's, it's that kind of a mentality. But there's things in our life that are life-controlling, you know. It might be how you spend your money. You spend every single day. And I'm not, I'm not saying like you spend on gas and food. I mean, every you, there's a rush that happens when you buy that next thing. And that's not taboo. But you know you're addicted and it's causing a strain on your marriage. I've had people that have heard my story start to express, I get it, I'm starting to embrace this as an addiction in my life, this thing that is not taboo, this thing that is tolerated, you know, but it's life-controlling. And Man, that's a hard thing to share that stuff, but one of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of Brennan Manning. Have you ever heard of Brennan? Oh my gosh, Ragamuffin Soul Man. If you could ever read that book, read it. It's incredible. But here's what he says. He says, in a futile attempt to erase our past, We deprive the community of our healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. But when we live as forgiven men and women, we join the wounded healers and draw close to Jesus. There's a beauty in being wounded, you know. There's a beauty in being broken. There's something that God uses. There's something that's beautiful taking the darkness of your life And allowing it to illuminate other people's lives, you know. There's something gorgeous about it, something beautiful about that. And so often, I think, in our lives, we hold back our imperfections. Can I just tell you this, and hopefully this will free you up a little bit. The world doesn't need you to present a more perfect version of yourself. Can I say that again? The world doesn't need you to present a more perfect version of yourself. They don't like you half the time. Anyhow. That's not what the world needs. When we do that, what we do is we end up robbing people from seeing the healing aspect of Jesus. You know? That's why people in the world will say, oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Because everybody knows we got stuff. Everybody knows we face issues. But how you doing? I'm fine, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed and highly favored. You know? Everybody just go, ah. So God, I love this, he doesn't use perfect people, you know, he uses authentic people. L- last week Amy called, or I called, I can't remember, did I call you, I think I called you before you preached, and we, we had prayer on the phone, and, and she said, honey, I want to talk pretty open about some stuff, but I don't know if I should, and, and um, there was a time when I love the counselor we have, and the counselor said, Ross, you guys could be too authentic, and, and, and so she brought that back to mind, and do you think we're just being too authentic, and I just said, baby, we didn't build a church on anything but authenticity, This is who we are, this is what we do. Come on, amen? I said, who we are, is what we do. Because God doesn't come for you to be a perfect people. He comes for you to be an authentic people. Our perfection is in Him and until we go to see Him, until mortality puts on incorruptibility and immortality and corruption puts on incorruption, until that day, we're going to deal with some stuff and it's a process and that doesn't mean that we excuse it. That's what I love about Momentum Church. We love you right where you are when you come through the doors of this house, amen? I don't care who you are, we love you, but we love you too much to leave you that way. We want to challenge us together, each, to rise higher in the perfection of Him, not in our own perfection, but that He might be seen, and, and so God doesn't long for you to be perfect. He longs for you to be transparent, amen? And what's beautiful about that is that through your transparency, people get a glimpse of Jesus. They get a glimpse of Jesus at work in real time. Not some one plus one equals two Jesus, but some Jesus that deals with our messiness, you know. I just heard I missed my small group last week because I wasn't there. But one of the gentlemen in our small group had gone through one of the worst things life could ever throw at a person and a family. And he went through it and his heart was heavy. And every week of our journey group, he would look at me like, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to share. And we didn't press on that, you know. And I heard last week, he opened his heart up and just shared what the pain they've been facing for a few years now. Man, give God praise for that. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> and he may not realize it, but that guy, I've seen Jesus through his transparency. there are times where he feels like he's let God down because he can't have more faith or can't be stronger in the face of this adverse. (laughs) That was like the least dignified (laughs) theological statement I've ever given from the pulpit. (laughs) Uh, Because to me, bro, I've seen Jesus in you, man. I've seen Jesus in you. So that's what transparency does, Amen. God doesn't, He doesn't recruit us from the pedestal. He recruits us from the pit. That's what He does. At our worst, that's when He finds us and He loves us in the midst of that. So if you've ever been disappointed by God, guess what? God can use you, right? If you ever felt let down by Him, He can still use you. If you've ever in your life been wounded or hurt or depressed, God can use you. If you've ever felt like you failed, if you've ever felt like you've let them down, you are uniquely qualified to be a wounded healer. You've been rescued to rescue. You've been given freedom to bring freedom to another person, not because of your perfection, but because of your transparency. And they can see the healer in you. Amen? I love it. And so I want us to look in John. You're like, finally, Scripture. Scripture. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to read in John chapter 4. Let's go down here to verse 7. This is the passage of scripture where Jesus is going to go through Samaria. And a good Jew would never ever go uh, and walk through Samaria. A good Jew would walk around Samaria because the Samaritans, they considered to be half-breeds. And and, and the religion was skewed and their lifestyles were corrupt. and, And so a good Jew would never do this. But Jesus, he ends up going right to that place. And I love it. Because it says that Jesus, it said he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Another translation says Jesus needed, he needed to go through Samaria. This isn't a statement of direction. It's a statement of conviction. There's something about Christ that he had to go into this city or into this area. And God was going to have him connect with this woman at the well. In verse 7 it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink? For me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you know the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of his water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have have to come here to draw water. Father, I ask over the next few minutes, God, that you would just deeply plant these truths in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. And so Samaria, it wasn't a chance. It wasn't a matter of chance. It was a matter of choice. Jesus purposed to come to have that connection with that woman that day. And often in life, I think we want divine appointments. As Christ followers, we want God to use us. We want divine appointments. But we want God to use us in powerful and profound ways. But our usefulness to him, it comes when we purpose to be used by him comes when we have a conviction to put ourselves in places where God can use our imperfections and use our experiences to touch somebody else, to be one that has been rescued and become a rescuer. And so often, though, we spend much time longing for God to use us, but we never make intentional choices. Those choices where we place ourselves in environments where God can actually leverage our story. Those choices where we place ourselves in a place where he can leverage our past and leverage our freedom and the process that we're going through to help other people toward a place of freedom. And so I'm asking you, what might that look like for you? What might it look like to be a rescuer? Maybe it means that you take lunch, not by yourself any longer, uh, hold up in your cubicle, but you go out to the commissary and you sit down and... You have lunch out there. Who might God bring your way or who might you cross paths with? It it might be that when you park your car in the garage rather than coming back into the house through the inside door, you push the button, let the garage door go behind you and you step out into your front yard and actually say hey to the neighbor. I can guarantee you right now if I had you raise your hands, there's many of you here that you couldn't say three or four neighbors names and you've been there four or five years. I don't know what that might look like for you at school, as a student, or at recreation when you're on the softball team. You know, whatever it might be. But allowing God to place you in a place where you're open to tell your story if that starts to happen. If that opens itself up. You know, having a conviction to be a rescuer. The thing that you see here is Jesus had the conviction to come across this woman's path. And he purposefully, he needed to make that connection. That's the first thing we can see. The second thing that we can see in this story is the time of day that this woman came. She came at noontime. Noontime was not the time that you should go get water. You know, it's not at all. I mean, they should go in the morning or right before the sun sets and get the water. That's how they would do. But this was a woman that didn't want to be around anybody. This is a woman who went at noontime in the heat of the sun because she knew the crowd would be a little bit less. Maybe this is a woman who, because of her lifestyle and her choices, people had talked behind her back and In her mind, I don't want to see these people, you know. There's a reputation there maybe. I don't know exactly all. I know that her lifestyle, Jesus would say, wasn't the best at the time. But with it, her past, her mistakes, whatever it was, she came at noontime to stay away from these people. And I love it. Jesus flips the script on her. She's asking him about water, and all of a sudden he starts to talk about water. But he takes the conversation from a physical aspect of water to a spiritual thirst that every human heart has. He flips it. And there are people every day in your life that are going to the well of accomplishment. They're going to the well of success. They're going to the well of relationship. They're going to the well of of, of promotion. They're going to the well of getting that corner office or getting that, 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 that arm candy or whatever it might be. They're going to that well, but that's not what satisfies the thirsting of their heart. That bigger house doesn't quench the spiritual thirst that they have. There's people around us every day that we face that are going through those things. And so with that, we look to things each of us do to provide for us what only God can provide. And there's people doing the same thing. You're around people every day who are trying to fill a spiritual thirst with earthly water. And Jesus saw this. And so he says to her, go tell, call your husband and have him come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. And the woman said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Go down to verse 21. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeking such people to worship him, and God is spirit, and those who worship him worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, and he is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I am he who is speaking. And Jesus then, his disciples, they came back. They marveled what that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away. To town, said to the people, "Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ?" Jesus flips it and begins to talk to her about spiritual things and about her lack, and and she begins to see herself in light of her lack, and she sees herself in need of this Christ. And with that, she realizes it's not spiritual; it's not physical thirst that I have. It is a spiritual thirst that needs to be quenched. And then she goes and she begins to tell her story. And so with that, God will use the parts of our story that we're willing to give. Everybody knew her story. And she went back and shared it amongst her peers. And with that, God began to use that story. We'll finish that here in a moment. But I've invited a friend, John Harris. He's a part of this church and it has been coming for uh, over a year now. We absolutely love John. And Del Delia is the lady that plays all the stuff over here, like the, <laughs> and the rain stick and all the good neat stuff. And, um, and so I've asked John to come up. He's going to share a little bit of his story and, and a little bit about the ministry that he serves. So, John, come on up, buddy. Thanks, brother. Thank
1: you. I'd be Love
0: you. Mm. Thanks. Can you welcome John to the stage? Morning.
1: My cheat sheet. I don't want to see you guys when I'm talking. (laughs) Not that you're not good looking or not, I just don't want to see anybody so I can just focus on what God has to say. But did you ever hear a kid say, when I grow up, I want to be an addict? Mm, No. No. We are kids, and we think about being firemen or policemen, astronauts, you know, dancers or movie stars. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy. It's all I ever talked about. But you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. And when life happens, things begin to shape our character. So without being aware of this, at 10 years old, I stopped thinking about being a cowboy. And I started thinking about how lonely I was, how abandoned I felt, how bullied I was at school. And those things pushed me towards being an addict. So without wanting to be, that's where you end up being. So long story short, 24 years later, I was arrested for operating a drug factory. I was a crackhead, really bad one. Is there a good one? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I was, teeth were falling out. My hair was falling out. I was 100 pounds lighter than I am today, which was probably the only good thing about it. But I was a a mess. And I was full of shame. And I was full of just hate for what was going on in my life. So on my 34th birthday, I reached out and I called my pastor. And I said, you got to help me. The very next day, he dropped me off at Teen Challenge up in Connecticut. And he said, don't leave this place until God tells you to. So six and a half years later... I was still in the one-year program. <laughs> I was sober. I was saved. I was ordained. And I was a director of the ministry. Serving God as best as I knew how at the time. But the problem was, I never dealt with being lonely. Hmm. I never dealt with being abandoned. Oof. Come on. And I never dealt with feeling like people bullied me. Mm-hmm. And it came out in the way I acted all the time. For the next 16 years, I fell back into one of my addictions, which was sex. And now, with the advent of the internet, I added in pornography on a daily basis. And that was what I covered all that shame with. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a, there's a saying in therapy that says, all needs must be met,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and all needs will be met. And you either meet those needs in the natural, God-given way of meeting them through people and through your family and friends and connections, or you find objects to fill those needs. And, you know, people are objects when you use them as those. Mm -hmm. So for the next 16 years, I lived a double life. I was a dad. I was a husband. I was a brother. I was a pastor. But on the other hand, I was a raging sex addict, and Mm -hmm. nobody knew about it it was a double life that was ripping me apart. Talk about the shame and the loneliness and the feeling of, of, of self-loathing that came with that, especially when you're standing up here behind a pulpit on Sundays, and then trying to deal with what was going on in your life behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I'd never be free. But you know, God has a better plan than we do for our lives, Amen. Amen. When my wife and I were pastors down in Tampa, God threw a huge grenade into my life, and it all came out that I was dealing with sexual sin. Church fired me for being a sex addict. They asked my wife to step down for being a sex addict's wife, and we found ourselves with very few friends and very few connections and what to do. So desperate, I called up here to Georgia to a ministry called Hope Quest Ministries, They said instantly, come on up here. We've got a ministry for you called Walking Free. And we've got a ministry for your wife called Journey. And Walking Free is a group ministry specifically for men who struggle with sexual addictions. And Journey is a ministry specifically for the wives whose husbands are addicted to it. So we've been spending the last several years in this ministry. And on top of that, they got us one-on-one and eventually marriage counseling to go with it. So here we are almost three years later. Our marriage is restored. In fact our marriage is better and more authentic and true than it has ever been in our lives. I am free from That feeling of loneliness and abandonment and being bullied, not that it still doesn't try to come back into my life every once in a while, but now that I've been made aware of it, now that I've discovered that those things don't have to to dictate how I act in life, Mm -hmm. I can take responsibility for the stuff that I did, and I can walk in freedom. I am a living testimony... I'm a living testimony of what it's like to walk a not-so-perfect path to freedom yes. because it's been a road. My wife and I are now on staff at HopeQuest. We're still serving in the ministries that help get us back together. She's a leader in journey. I'm a leader in walking free. We both work full-time up at our Trek residential program which is a 12-week, Christ-centered, clinically effective uh, residential program for men with drug and alcohol addictions and for sexual addictions. And we have homes for men, and we have homes for women. And and it's really making a difference in people's lives. Now, I don't have the time to go through everything that happened in our lives to get us there on how God got us restored, but I've been blessed to be able to set up a table today so I'm going to be in back after service. Please stop by, say hello, um, ask me some questions if you want, and I've got a whole lot of literature. I encourage everybody to pick some up because you know what? You never know when you're going to run into somebody in your life that needs a not-so-perfect guide to freedom. So thank you. Amen. Wait a
0: Many of you that have tracked with us for years, you remember that we had one of our staffers years ago who had moral failure and stepped down from ministry, and we loved on him and his wife and saw them restored to ministry, and, and we just love them, and there was something we were able to do that day for them at the theater when he confessed that this man never got an opportunity to do, and um, because that couple in our church, and, and Jared and Charlotte have shared, Jared shared his story before, um, man, we... we we were able to give them a standing ovation for their honesty and for his openness and I believe that's why he walked in healing and that's why he's still a part of this house and, and I just my heart's heavy that John never got that opportunity at his house, at his church it was just one of those, we're going to sweep it under the rug and goodbye John can we give John a standing ovation today? Amen that's for your honesty right there right, here. right, here. right, here. right there Amen. That's Jesus right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Go down to your seat just for a couple seconds more. I, I told our people that day when Jared had shared that it was time that he needed to step down to find healing for his own life because of addictions that he was facing, I told the people that day, as they gave that standing ovation, I said, here's the thing, we're going to be serious about ministry and walking after the things of God, but we're also going to be a house that's serious about grace. And if there was anybody that has some sick sense of joy at the fact that this has happened, and they're stepping down for a season of healing. Then when you leave the movie theater this day, don't let the doors hit you in the behind. I didn't quite say it that way, but I said, take you and your money. You don't need to ever come back, because that's not what this house is all about. And, um, and I believe that's why there's an anointing on this house for what it is. Amen? And we love you, John and, Del, and 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 just so thankful that Jesus has brought you our way. But when it comes to our lives as we close, when it comes to us, there is that power that comes from telling, you know? And yes, you have an imperfect story, and this is not a perfect guide to freedom. It's an imperfect guide to freedom. And so in that imperfection, in those broken parts of your life, the grace of God can be seen so fully and so freely. And when it comes down to it, sometimes the most powerful words you can say is just me too. You know, somebody's going through some stuff, me too. I understand that. I I have a struggle in this, and there's an openness. And when you say me too, it allows people to know that they're not alone and that they're not crazy. Amen? Me too. Everybody say me too. Practice that. Me too. That goal of Christian life, it's not perfection. The goal of the Christian life is authenticity. And I believe we'll walk more perfectly as we're more authentic. Amen? God doesn't use those perfect people. God doesn't use perfect people. He uses broken people who allow him to shine through their brokenness perfectly. It's a beautiful thing. And so when you look in the scripture, this lady that was the laughingstock of that community, this woman who had had so many husbands and a failure at every relationship, this woman that had to come and get water in the heat of the day because she didn't want glaring you know, eyes and, and she didn't want tisks and people talking behind her back. This woman, this lady, she didn't wait to be perfect to go back and begin to tell her community. She went back right away to her village and began to tell them all that she had seen and all that she had heard. Why? Because she had encountered living water. Let's stand to our feet. She encountered a a quenching for the thirst of her soul. And her natural response to finding that freedom was to share it with other people. It says this, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me all that I ever did. I love that. That would seem like that would be condemning. He pointed out all my mistakes. Is that what she just said? But it wasn't a sense of con- condemnation. It was a sense of grace and, and just love and acceptance. And says, he told me all that I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Her imperfection had led her to a perfect Jesus, who allowed her to speak of her connection with him, that allowed him to have his own message declared to them, and they were able to walk in a, a new step of would not have happened had she not went back and began to share i just want to challenge us that that next step of freedom for us is being willing to share our story and stay transparent amen so that he might be seen next week we have an amazing thing that can happen and it's your service all right it's your service next week we want to have stories of freedom and so we want you to contact us by tomorrow no later We've already got some video. We've already got some testimonies lined up. But contact us tomorrow. We'll see if we can fit your story into the context of next week's service. But we want some stories of freedom next week during the Sunday morning service. We're going to have baptism. If you've never been baptized, next Sunday's your day to go public with your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have come into a place of repentance where you want to be baptized again. And you just feel it's important for you not to be walking on mama's faith, but you're walking on your own faith now and be baptized that's next week please go online and sign up so we can get you information about what baptism means and the things that you'll need to know for next sunday And so that's next week a time of baptism we're having communion next sunday and testimonies it's just going to be a celebration of freedom let's pray father i thank you for this house i get to serve lord i praise you that we're a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect jesus Lord God, just bring victory in our lives. And as you do so, Lord, allow us to be those that would be open and transparent that we might help others find freedom as well. Lord God, bless this house. In Jesus' name I pray. Bless these people today as they go into this world. And allow them to be those that bring stories of hope. Allow them to be those that intersect lives. And Jesus, you bring those stories of hope. We'll see you all next week. We love you. And as always, we're with you on the journey. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.